out. We have really looked forward to this awesome opportunity to come and deliver a message, a message of true hope, to hang out with our friends and our family and to celebrate little Dylan's birthday this weekend. It has really been an awesome time to just come home and visit with everyone. Thank you for this awesome opportunity to allow us just to come in and fill in this morning. Have you ever had that moment in your life to where you recall a memory and, and you begin to get the giggles? And as you recall more of that story, you start looking around to see if anybody sees you laughing. I had that memory the other day as I was in my office. I was the only one in my office. Keep in mind, it's about the size of this stage. And I remember that Ashley and I were heading to Hemp Hill about 15 years ago. I had to preach up there. I had to be there about 10.30. I was going to go on at 11. And so we decided to leave early that morning. I thought it would be a good idea to wear my suit. It was a typical day, 92 degrees, about 167% humidity. We're traveling, and, and Ashley and I are having this great cordial conversation, and then it dawns on us a little ways into the trip. The, the inventor of, of TomTom had never been to Sabine County, Texas, nor had he been around to lead a men. It took us every which way except to the church building, and panic began to set in. I'm, I'm looking for a towel in the car to, to wipe the sweat from my face because it's 1020, 1030, 1040. I'm talking to the editor on the phone. He said, son, I, I've lived here my whole life, and I have no idea where you're at. Panic is now really setting in. That cordial conversation now has that friction. You know, don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I'm going to find my way. And then I give them a landmark, and, and we finally pull up to the church. 10.55, I'm supposed to go on at 11. The only thing I have in my mind at that second is I need water. I have to hydrate right now. We go to the water fountain, and, and we walk into the church. They, they don't have the, the outer wings. It's just a, an area like so. And we try to creep in as if the church doesn't know we're not there. We, we open that old door and it's... And every head in the church turns and looks at us. And what are you doing in a moment like that? Just put a smile on your face and you straight to the pulpit. Ashley has a seat. And then I see it. I see something that I've never seen in a church before, nor have I ever seen it since. As I get closer to the pulpit, I, I can feel that air start to hit me. And I come around the pulpit, you see the developer of that church building in probably the 1800s thought it would be a good idea to put a ceiling fan right above the pulpit. In that moment, I'm like, praise Jesus, thank you, I'm getting cool. I put my notes down and I take a step out. I don't get one word out of my mouth and there goes my sermon all over the pulpit. That's what kind of day we had. And I was having the giggles remembering that. I cannot believe we have been gone for over nine years now. So much has changed in the nine years that we've been gone. I, I remember when flat screen TVs came out. And not just the flat screen with the big back, but the, the true flat screen TVs. You can't go into a house in America without seeing two or three flat screen TVs. And it doesn't matter if you're two or 102, everyone has a cell phone now. Amazing. Companies now are allowing their employees to work from home. They're working remotely. I was reading an article here a while back, and mass shootings in America are up. In the nine years that we've been gone, over 190 mass shootings have happened. 
and over 1,100 Americans have lost their lives, and over 800 have been wounded. And I started thinking uh, about other changes, changes here in Lake Charles in the past several months, two hurricanes set seas on Calcasieu Parish. The, the, the nation as a whole is changing. We're, we're on our third president since we've been gone, and I'm not going to get into politics this morning, but, but our nation as a whole is changing. The world in which we live in right now is changing with COVID-19. So my question to you is, is where are we looking for hope this morning? It, it brings us to our message this morning, and it's very simple. My message only has one point, and it is be a prayer warrior. Be a prayer warrior. But in order to become a prayer warrior, we must ask ourselves two fundamental questions, and it demands us to answer those questions. It, it brings us to a place into our heart to where we allow no one to see, no one to hear. It's a place in your heart to where only you talk to and that only God can see. Have I changed? Have you changed? The second question we must ask ourselves and, and also answer with all the changes that are going on, we as a collective group of believers in Jesus Christ, have we changed? Have we changed? If I were to ask you this morning, what was the last great book that you read? I, I wonder what it would be. Several weeks ago, I went to my small comprised library of books and I pulled from the shelf my favorite book of all time. I wanted to get a better understanding and a deeper application of the last day of Jesus' life and all that He did to prepare for that. See, a lot of you don't know that I'm dyslexic. It is a term defined as a disorder that is involved in difficulty in learning or interpreting words and letters or other symbols. My, my mind works best in imagery. The, the author of my favorite book, Killing Jesus, does an outstanding job of giving background information into each character before he interjects them into the narrative. So when you're reading the, the narrative, you can almost close your eyes and you, and you can envision what is going on and or interject yourself into that story. My goal this morning is for you to have that imagery this morning as, as we dive into the text. That you too can, can see what is going on and, and maybe put yourself there. If we, were, if we were to come up with just a small list really quick of, of five of the most influential leaders of a nation of all time, I wonder who might make your list. I'm sure that some from this side would, would have the same as this side, and we can almost put the, the list together, and some of the names would flow. Some might start off with George Washington for his, his demand for economic change and his boldness and his strife in that particular time. While others might say Abraham Lincoln for getting rid of slavery. Some might start in 1940 with Winston Churchill when he became the Prime Minister of Britain 
and, and all the work that he did to, to get rid of Nazi Germany. While having that conversation, someone might say FDR, for his ability to work with international powers to achieve the same goal. Some might say Nelson Mandel. For, for the great work that he did to get rid of racism in South Africa and racism around the world. And although this last one, she did not lead a nation, I am certain that she would make many of the list for, for her patriotism and her calls for Christ. And Mother Teresa would make that list. Who would make your list this morning? I assure you, the, the man that we will discuss this morning would most likely not make a lot of lists. He, he would definitely make my list because several years ago, I, I stumbled upon him in Scripture and I started to study him. And he has fundamentally changed how I pray in times of crisis, in times of stress, in times of panic. He has fundamentally come into my house and, and has changed how we pray as a family in those same moments. You ever notice? You ever notice how worry comes at a bad time? Just, just when we need steadiness and, and clear thinking. Worry and doubt seem to creep into our mind. The devil gets into your mind and begins to create this false narrative. And it gets more elaborate and it becomes bigger and bigger. Before you know it, this false story, something that hasn't happened and most likely won't happen, has now got you under control. You might have had that important business meeting at 1 o'clock. And you were ready for it, but... 1.15, 1.30, the other partner didn't show. And you, and you become agitated, you be, become angry, and, and your brain starts to feel, well, I'm going to tell him this, I'm going to tell him that. And what we don't realize is the reason they couldn't answer is because they too are dealing with tragedy. You, you might have studied for that job interview, and you were prepared for 45 minutes to an hour. You dominated that job interview only to hear we'll get back in touch with you. One day, three days, seven, ten days later, you still haven't heard. And this narrative in your mind starts to get cranked up. I should have said this. I should have done that. It meant if I would have only said this, this would have worked out perfect. You become really involved in this false narrative all while this company on the other side is building your package, building your salary to deliver it to you so that you can't say no to it, but yet we are worried about something we have no control over. It might be as subtle, it might be as, as subtle as looking at your cell phone. Well, my friend that they, they read my message. My, my family member, they, they read my message. I, I, I called them that they didn't answer. Why are they not calling me back? What's going on? And, and you start getting worked up. Your blood pressure rises. All because they didn't answer your text message or your phone call. It's a false narrative in your mind. Stop allowing the devil to get into your mind and create this false narrative. Something that hasn't even happened yet. Joshua 1.9 Be not afraid. Wherever you go, I am with you, says the Lord. Psalms 27 and 1 the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The writer of Hebrews 
The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And moments of uncertainty and moments of stress, panic, tragedy. We need to take a step back. We need to take a deep breath and breathe. Get our heart rate down. Let our forebrain open up to the clear narrative and not the false narrative. My girls will tell you that I tell them that all the time. Hey, take a deep breath. Relax. Get your heart rate down. Everything will work out. So much, in fact, they get tired of hearing it. In these particular moments, we, we need to become a prayer warrior, especially in times, times of stress and panic and turmoil and the death. Father, for just a few more moments this morning, as we dive into Your text, God, God, we pray that every heart and every mind is open and very clear right now. God, we pray for our hearts to be open and that the Holy Spirit would come into this room and fill us with wisdom. And God, fill us with hope again. God, come into this room and do what only You can do, God. The power in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Turning to our text this morning, we'll be in 2 Kings chapters 18-20. through 20. I invite you to turn there or... Cell phone, whatever we're doing these days with the electronics. Second Kings chapter 18. I want to tell you about a man named King Hezekiah. You'll see in Second Kings 18 chapter 2, or 18 verse 2, Hezekiah becomes the king at the age of 25, and he'll reign for 29 years before he meets his maker. Can you imagine becoming a king at the age of 25 years old? I know when I was 25, I had it all figured out. I had life completely figured out. I had the answers to everything. And as I'm almost at the age of 40, I realize I didn't know anything at the age of 25. Absolutely nothing. You'll read in, you'll read in verse 8 where Hezekiah trusted in the Lord and there was no one greater before him <clears throat> before him or after him. Wow, what a, what a lofty statement of the king. Hezekiah repaired the temple. He, he purged the idols and he brought worship back to the temple. He also defeated the Philistines in verse 8, chapter 18. Hezekiah was written about from the major and the minor prophets. You'll read of him in Isaiah, Jeremiah. Solomon writes of him in Proverbs 27 and 1. And Micah follows up just a few verses in his short book. And what's ironic is Hezekiah is also mentioned in the New Testament. You'll remember as we read in in Matthew chapter 1, the, the laundry list of names there. The significance of Matthew chapter 1. You'll read in verse 9 and in verse 10. Verse 9, you'll see Hezekiah's father's name listed. And in verse 10, Hezekiah. The, the bloodline of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Hezekiah is in the bloodline of our Lord and Savior. 
Getting into our story in chapter 19, with that was the background of who this character was. You'll see the army of Sennacherib as they have set siege city after city. And now they are coming to Jerusalem. Hezekiah has already given him money. He's already given him gold and silver. And he's still coming. He sends his messengers to, to Hezekiah's field commanders. And he tells them that we're coming. We, we have just laid waste to these 46 cities. Their God didn't save them. We're coming. And this is where, this is where King Hezekiah prepares for battle. Hezekiah, he, he gets the message and he tears his clothes. He, he tears his clothes and he puts on sackcloth. Why does he do a thing like that? It's in custom that he is showing the act of being sorrow. The, the pain that he is feeling. Visualize with me for a second that the commanders come to the feet of the king and, and they tell him what is going to happen. And he tears his clothes. And he prepares for battle. But he does it in, in maybe just a little bit different way than what you're thinking of. He goes in, and, and you'll read with me that he sees and he seeks Isaiah. He says to Isaiah in verse 3, this is the day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. Skipping down a few sentences, therefore pray that your Lord will deliver us. Hezekiah goes to Isaiah and he seeks prayer and says, pray for us that God will hear you and that God will deliver us. I ask you this morning, and in moments of conflict, in moments of grief, in moments of pain, in moments of hurt, in moments of addictions, are we grabbing our spouse and say, will you pray with me? Will you, will you pray for me? Young people, are, are you going to your parents? Are you, are you going to your grandparents? Friends, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. Will you pray for me, Mom? Will you pray for me, Dad? I promise you, your parents are pay praying for you. But go to them and grab them and say, Mom, Dad, I, I am struggling with this. I don't understand that. Will you, will you pray with me? The power of prayer works. The moments of storms Hezekiah seeks prayer. Sennacherib now believes he has, <clears throat> he now believes that he has King Hezekiah right where he wants him. And, and he is trying to divide Hezekiah's thinking away from God. And, and he sends his messengers again to the city gates of Jerusalem. Picture with me that, that Jerusalem is on a hill. And just to the west is the palace of King Hezekiah. The, the messengers are now at the city gates speaking to a crowd, speaking to Hezekiah's messengers. And he's telling them, you need to come to our side where we'll feed you, we'll, we'll give you water, we'll give you drink, we'll shelter you. You see, all these cities that believed in their gods did not deliver them. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Do not listen to your God. 
come on our side. But they did not. They did not. The messengers of, of Hezekiah now goes to him a second time. I can almost envision that, that Hezekiah now sees the army getting closer. As he looks out over the horizon, he can now hear them. He can hear the, the beatings of the drums. He can hear the chaos. They're coming. I ask you this morning, what, what army is at your doorstep? And a crowd this big, if we're going to be real with each other, from the north side to the south side, there's somebody in this room this morning that is struggling with some form of addiction or another. There's some marriage that is in turmoil. Let's get real with each other. There is some hurt that is going on in this very building right here, right now. This city as a whole is hurting. Where are we looking to for hope? God Almighty should be our answer. Hezekiah, upon hearing the message the second time, really cranks up his battle plan. You see, when, when Hezekiah hears the second time, he does an about face and he goes straight to the temple. And I can almost, uh, I can almost envision that Hezekiah, it says in the Scripture, that he spreads out in front of the Lord. I can see the king on his knees, his, his hands held high. God, God, do you hear what they're saying? God, turn your ear to me. Do, do you hear what they're saying right now? God, turn your eyes to me. Do you see what has happened? Do you see what is going on? God, God, do you hear me? I wonder, I wonder when the last time that we got on our knees. We got on our knees and, and we spread out like Hezekiah did. And, and God, God, do you see what I'm going through? God, God, can you see the, the addictions that are holding me down? God, can you see the sin that is behind me, that, that has a grip on me, that, that I haven't been able to let go? God, do you, do you see what I'm going through? God, do you hear me? God, God do you hear what I'm saying to you? When is the last time that we got on our knees and prayed to God from our heart. That, that spot in our heart to where only you know about. Hezekiah goes to sleep after that prayer. He goes to sleep and, and I can imagine he can still hear the army coming. He can still hear the, the chaos and, and the noise and the beating of the drums. And he lays down and he goes to sleep. 
morning time happens. I, I can see Hezekiah laying there and, and that one eye opens. And then that next eye opens and it has that eerie feeling to him. Because it's silent. He's confused. He, he sits up. Becomes more confused. He, he doesn't hear the noise. I, I can see the king kind of turning to his right and, and his feet hit the ground and, and he's trying to really hear for that noise of the army. And, and he goes over to, to the window and he looks out. There's no more army. Sennacherib is now on the run because when, when Hezekiah went to bed that night, God went to work. Hezekiah went to bed and God sent the death angel over that camp and 185,000 were destroyed. Sennacherib is now on the run. The power and the prayer of one man changed the course of a nation. The power and the prayer of one man changed Jerusalem. Do you believe that power and prayer work? Friends, the power of one man changed it. When is the last time we got on our knees and said, God, do what only You can do? There is a, there's a popular song out right now, and I, I assure you I will save you my vocals. But it is a perfect ending the chorus is a perfect ending to what we're talking about right here. And I'll read it to you. And I don't know why, but I can feel it right now. Every time I hear this song, every time I go to read this, I, I get emotional. And I don't know why. Because I, I guess I've seen the power of prayer work. I've seen the power of prayer fundamentally change. In my own house by the grace of God. The course goes like this even when I don't see it, you're working. Even, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You see, you never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. You are the way maker, yeah. You are the miracle worker. You are the, the promise keeper. Oh, His name is above. His name is above depression. His name is above loneliness. His name is above disease. His name is above cancer. His name is above the hell that you're walking through right now. His name is above all names. His name is Jesus Christ. He left heaven, He came to earth, and He died on a tree for you and for me, a convicted sinner. Do you believe it, church? Are we going through the motions? Or do you believe in the power of prayer? Jesus Christ brought heaven to earth for us. What are we doing with our lives right now? There's someone in this very room that has been praying and praying and praying, not seeing results. 
There's someone in this room that has been praying and praying and praying, and they are still struggling with that addiction. They are still struggling with that substance. They are still struggling with whatever it is in your life. They're still struggling with that sin that's, that's in the closet that, that's been crept, that kept open. And you haven't slammed the door to your past. It's over with. It's done. Let it go. You've been praying for a breakthrough. Today is your day. Today is the day that we start fresh and we move on forward. Do you believe it, church? That is why Jesus came. Here in just a moment, there's going to be some men down front. I implore you. I, I ask that you just get out of the way. Let your pride get out of the way this morning. Let your heart heal. And let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. For some of us, you might not have ever put on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And and you're uncertain about your eternity, whether it be in heaven or in hell. That is the beauty of why Jesus Christ came. Allow His blood to flow over you and put Him on in baptism. Whatever your needs may be, we're here. We're we're wanting and we're ready to pray with you and for you. We ask you to come now as we stand and we sing.